so glad to be back with the family. I've told you before, you're very, very special to me. This is part of my family. I've been coming here a very long time, 21 years. So a lot of the people who are grown up and have kids, I was there when they were little kids. That means you're old as dirt. But I am so thankful, and I'm so thankful for your smiling faces and those of you with masks on, your smiling eyes. And I just love you lots. You've been standing a while. Why don't you be seated and rest yourself a minute? You know, we don't have anything else to do. Let's just enjoy this while we're here today. And don't stay home tonight. I know you got in the habit of that, but we get to be with you one more time tonight. And what I'm going to give you this morning is going to be okay, but tonight's going to be real good. So, so come back tonight. I told my precious husband this morning, and I, I do want to say this. Just, I'm just going to throw this out here. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You take care of God's business, he'll take care of your business. And this smile on my face is genuine, and God has taken care of me. And thank you for loving me through the last 21 years, but the last three years were broken years. When it would have been a lot easier just to stay home and be with my grands. But you know, you just keep doing what's right, and God delivers. He's nigh unto those with a broken heart. So He's near you today, whatever you're going through. And I believe in this last hour more than ever. The church and the world needs to hear real people who have been through real stuff, who are on the other side of it and are able to say, look what the Lord has done. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Sabolchi, Sister Dory, my friends. I love you so much. And thank you again for the privilege of this pulpit. And today as I minister, I'm under the covering of my precious husband, my pastor knows I'm here. That's important. And I'm under your covering. I submit myself to you today because I want to be under the protection and the covering. Amen. I am going to turn in the scripture. And if you're able to stand, you're going to sit for a few more minutes afterwards. So if you're able, could you stand for the honoring of the word? If you're not able, it's okay. We're turning to Psalm chapter 42. Psalm 42. We're reading verses 5 through 11 there. I must tell you that I'm really nervous this morning because usually, and those of you that have been around a while, you'll remember and you'll know what I'm talking about. I usually have a birthday table or a boat or an alien or a box of chocolates or <laughs> I, I can't, you know, an old preacher told me 30 years ago, when I had my little boat set up and all my display, and he said, good preachers don't need a bunch of junk. So for 31 years, I haven't been a good preacher. And so this is really hard for me that I don't have anything this morning. I have my hanky and my glasses, and I, I, I don't have a big alien. Now, tonight I'm going to use a prop, okay? So come back. You don't want to miss it. But this morning, you're just going to get what the Lord gave me, okay? But I'm going to need you to help me. I need your smiles. I need you to engage. Because I'm a people person. And I need you this morning. Okay? Psalm 42. 
Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Psalm 43, verse 4, right on down the page. Then will I go into the altar of God, and to God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Why did you read that 43rd Psalm 2? Because David is repetitious. He's asking the same thing over and over again. And today, for your hearing, the Lord's given me this message entitled, A Quarrel with Your Soul. Quarrel with Your Soul. You may be seated. Quarrel with your soul. A quarrel, by definition, we would think is an argument or a spat, a disagreement. Some of you had one of those this morning. A quarrel, a a little heated argument. I like to call them intense moments of fellowship. That's a whole lot nicer than an argument. You don't have to argue with your spouse. Just have an intense moment of fellowship. (laughs) A quarrel is a very interesting word. And when I was studying this portion of scripture the Lord sent me to, the Lord spoke this word to me. So I began to do a little research. And I found that a quarrel is a heated argument or disagreement. Typically about a trivial issue. Between people who are usually in good terms. That's different from an argument. You can argue with somebody that you never agree with. Your enemy. You can be mad. But that's not what a quarrel is. A quarrel is a disagreement between two people that usually get along okay. And so in looking at this scripture, I realized that what was happening there was David was having a quarrel with his soul. He kept repeating the same thing over and over. Soul, why are you disquieted in me? He was talking to himself. When people talk to themselves, we think they're a little crazy, especially if they answer themselves. 
A lot of us do it in private and nobody knows we're crazy. <laughs> and, and so, you know, we don't usually go along with the idea of talking to yourself, let alone fighting with yourself. But this is exactly what was happening here. David knew what he needed to do. And for a few moments, he just began to talk to himself. And he did it over and over. Why art thou disquieted within me? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He was asking himself these questions. And today before we leave, I think there's some of us that are going to take this and put it in our spirit. And in this last hour when we need it, we're going to draw out from it and realize that there are things we go through that the only answer is to have a little quarrel with your soul. And so now wait a minute, soul. It's time to remember what the Lord has done. It's time to rejoice and worship, soul. It's time to pull yourself up out of this mess. That's what David had learned. There is no one who went through more than David as far as trial and being chased and battles and sin and fighting these things in life. He was loved, beloved by God, but man, did he have troubles. David had learned through his battles in life, through his failures, that there was something to be learned that you have to once in a while bring yourself up out of things. We depend on somebody else all the time. And really, you'll go to a counselor, and I'm all about counseling, but you'll go and pay someone to hear you, to listen to you talk, to ask you all the right questions so you can come up with your own answers. That's what counselors do. When if we would take it to our knees and have a little quarrel with our soul and look in the mirror and say, you know what, what part of this was my fault? Ask the Lord to forgive you. What part of it is somebody else's fault? Release them and let them go. What part of this can I take care of? Nothing, but my God is able. And you got to quarrel with your own soul now and again. I think it is a wonderful example when David in 1 Samuel was... Facing yet another battle. Now, I, I am not good about just recalling what I've read. I'm intimidated by these great men and my friend Melissa Frost and some of you that can read the Bible and then it all comes back to you. If I'm telling my own story, I have no problem. Well, I'm telling somebody else's story, I have all kinds of trouble. So you'll have to forgive my ad-libbing in advance. Maybe it will make it a little interesting. I don't know how this is going to go. I'll do, I'll do better tonight. But what happened was David had taken his 600 men, his army, and gone over to join the army of the Philistines. He left his wife and children. They were home cooking, making biscuits and playing outside and doing stuff. He left, he left his home. He left the whole village there and took all of these Men And they went to join this army. And when he got there, he was disappointed because, you know, they didn't want him. He had gone so far off to join the army and then yet it didn't work out. You ever have anything just didn't work out? You put a lot of effort into it. You thought it was God's will. You thought it was the plan. And it turned out not to be the plan at all. Ouch! So he comes back with these men. He has to answer to them, you know, why I took you all the way over there and this thing didn't work out. And, and some of them are already murmuring and complaining. And, and they get back, and before they even get to their village, there they see the smoke going up because it's on fire. 
And what happened? The Amalekites had come in and pillaged, taken everything. I mean, they took their Tupperware. They took everything. They set it on fire and they kidnapped David's two wives. I don't know why anybody ever had one warm one wife, but they did. You can't do that now, but they did. <laughs> did then. <laughs> and he had two wives and they took them. They took all the wives and children of all the other soldiers. They came back to literally nothing. Not only is he disappointed that, you know, this other plan didn't work out. But hey, if the other plan had worked out, he wouldn't be home in time to fix it. God knows what we need and when we need it. His timing is perfect timing. So a quarrel with your soul now and then and say, wait a minute, I may not understand why that didn't work out, but soul we know in whom we trust. And he's got the whole plan already laid out. So, so you know, he comes back and finds everything on fire and everybody gone. And the Bible says they were so spent so discouraged, so worn out, so, so tired. And they began to weep and they wept until they could weep no more. Have you ever been so low? I, I have. One time I, I literally laid in the floor for three days. I got up to use the restroom and to get a drink of water and get a pile of tissues and come back for three days. Curled up in the floor asking God what in the world is happening? Why is this going on in my life? I need you to fix this. When I read that I knew what it meant. That they were so spent they could weep no more. There's some things in life you can't fix. You got to get up and wash your face. You got to just move forward. You got to have a quarrel with your soul and realize I've done all I can do and now I trust the one in whom I love. Hallelujah. They got up from there and, and David didn't say, Well, you know what? I got a plan. Oh, no. He went to the priest. He wasn't go- I'm not going to make a move until I know I'm covered in this thing. Hey, I've been there. I have people who speak into my life. I didn't make a move until they said, Vicki, we've heard from the Lord. This is what you do. You go to your pastor. You, you, when you have big decisions to make, when you're in crisis, you go to the pastor. And then what did he do? He got the ephod and, and he said, I'm staying here. I'm, I'm going to get an answer from God. You've got to have an answer from the Lord. You can't even begin the quarrel until you've gotten on your knees and said, God, i got to have an answer. He got up from there and he had his answer. The battle will be won. Go on ahead and get your stuff back. I'm going before you and I'm going to restore it all. You're going to win this battle but you got to get up and move it is not enough just to pray about it but you got to get up and do something you got to move God is waiting for some of us today to say you know what I've been sitting down too long I'm going to get up and show God I mean business hallelujah having a little quarrel with your soul <laughs> hallelujah You may not feel like it, but this is not based on feeling. Hallelujah. He got those men together. I'm sure when he looked at them and said, I've heard from the Lord and we're all 600 of us are going to head out. They said, say what? And that's what they did. Something about following your leader. They didn't feel like it. They were worn out. It didn't look good. 
but we're going to go back and get our wives and kids and our stuff. It's time for somebody to say, I'm going to get my stuff. The devil took my stuff, and I'm going back to get it. I'm not going to let him have my stuff. David took that army. They began to march down into the valley. And there were a couple hundred of those men that were literally so spent and so weak they couldn't make it. And they said, sorry, David. I just can't do it. You know, some people are stronger than others. I'm sorry, I just can't do it, David. We've marched all this time with you, but we just can't do it. And David didn't say, well... You so-and-sos, you're going to drop on me now? Just get on out of here. I don't want nothing to do with you. No, David, David understood. He said, I'll tell you what, you all stay right here in the valley with the supplies, and I'll take the other 400. We still got a little strength left. Sometimes you've got to have somebody with a little strength to help hold up your arms in the middle of the battle. Somebody that will come alongside and say, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to do warfare on my knees for you. I'm going to end intercede for you I'm going to hold you up through this thing you just sit here and rest with the supplies I'll be back to get you hallelujah hallelujah that's what they did he took the other 400 and they're they're doing their little journey looking for their stuff and here's a man laying on the side of the road lo and behold He's an Egyptian. Is he dead? Yeah, I think he's dead. He's not moving. We'll feel his pulse. Oh, it's there, but it's slight. They shook him. Hey, man, wake up. What are you doing laying on the side of the road? He couldn't speak. He was so weak. David began to recognize. Huh. See, this was an Egyptian. He was a servant to the opposing army. He belonged to the Amalekites. He was a servant to the army that had just come in and burned their stuff and took their Tupperware and their wives and kids. When David realized that's who that was, he would have had every right to just kick him over and let him die in the dirt. You took my stuff, my wife and my wives and my... Soldiers, wives, and kids, and you burn our village. You had a part in that. But what did David do? Love your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Come on, somebody needs to hear that today. You're not praying for that person at work that's despitefully using you. That family member won't talk to you. David said, come on, set up, set up, come on. He said, go get, go get some bread and water. They fed him some bread and water. Get him some raisins. He needs some sugar. Get him some raisins. They fed him raisins. Are you looking this up? You know what? They even gave him cake. I want you to make sure that's right. They, they, they gave him bread and water and raisins, and then they gave him dessert. Who gives their enemy dessert? I might give you some bread and water get you on your way, but I'm sure not going to give you my devil's food cake with mock whip frosting. But David said, come on, give him our best. Let's, let's get him up out of here. David forgot about his own troubles for a few minutes to help somebody that was in need. When you're in the middle of your battle, get up and go win a soul. Go teach a Bible study. Get up and go help somebody else in need. Write out a check for somebody that's hurting. That's what David did. What an example. His, 
his men were probably going, David always does this stuff. What? But what ended up happening, the man came to himself, got a little better. David said, you know where our wives and children, all our stuff is? You know where they took them? Yes, sir, I do. If you'll promise not to kill me, you promise not to turn me over to them, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll take you right to them. You know, we got a lot of folks that are coming back in this last hour. They've been out there. They want to come home. Because, see, they've been a servant to the opposing army. They've been serving the devil. They realize it. They realize that there was nothing out there. And when the devil's used you all up and he's done with you, he'll dump you. He'll dump you on the side of the road like a dead man. He doesn't care about you. And so what, what we're finding is people are coming in. Do, do they need somebody to say, well, you got what you deserved. And all that mess you're in came out of your sin. No, they don't need somebody to kick them. They need somebody to feed them cake. They need somebody to put their arms around them and say, come on, get up. The devil's done with you, but we're not. And we're not going to turn you over. We're not going to kill you. We're going to let you show us where you've been and how we can best minister to the world. He led him right to the army. And guess what David found? He got there just in time at dusk. Because they had landed there to celebrate. They were partying. They were drinking. They got all of David's Tupperware and lawn mowing equipment. They set all his stuff on fire. They had his wives and kids. And they're rejoicing, man. They're having a big party. And they're all so drunk they don't even see the army coming. Don't you think God has a plan for you to get your stuff back? <laughs> the devil doesn't even see it coming. <laughs> he doesn't know what God's up to. <laughs> the devil has no idea the plan. And so they, they start into battle. And, and, you know, here's the 400 men. And, and David and his 400 men. And they do battle, the Bible says, from dusk until evening of the next day. That means all night and all day. They warred. They battled. Sometimes the battle gets long. Sometimes it's a year. Sometimes it's three. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to war and fight your way through it. But you keep doing the right things. You keep quarreling with your soul. You keep coming to church. You keep doing all the right things. And you watch what God will do. At the end of the battle, there's victory. The Bible says that David got all his stuff back. Every one of the wives and children, he got it all back. Not some of it, he got it all. Hallelujah. When they turned around and went marching back, he didn't forget about the 200 men that couldn't make it that were in the, in, in the valley with the stuff, with the supplies. They came back through there and, and, and man, now they're whipped. They're beat. But they're victorious. <laughs> yeah, you can feel a little whipped this morning. We've been through a lot. We can feel a little beaten down. That's okay. But that just means have a quarrel with your soul. Because what happened then? They get in that valley and they said, come on, guys. Look what, what we got. Here, here, the wives are running to hug their husbands. And the children are running, embracing their daddies. And, and all of a sudden, that, that part of the army that fought the battle, some of those guys start murmuring. So the last thing we need is murmuring. They're the same ones that probably wanted to stone David earlier. Oh, everybody's got those people in their midst. They're people who murmur. You pay, pay attention to those people. You're, you're hooking up with the wrong people. 
You run from those people. Well, did you hear about so-and-so? I don't think it's really like they say it is. Well, I'm just telling you this because I want you to pray. That right, falls right into murmuring. Yeah. That's the kind of people say, I don't want to hear it. I, I, if, if I'm not a part of the problem or the solution, all I want to do is pray. I don't want to hear it. Wouldn't it be a perfect world if we all did that? But we don't. You want to be part of that 200 men that were left behind? You want to be part of the murmurs that come along and say, Hey, no, wait a minute. The 200 that are here in the valley, they didn't come with us. They didn't fight, so they don't get nothing. They didn't have their kids and their wives, but they don't get any Tupperware or mowing equipment or toys or anything like pots and pans or nothing. They don't get nothing like that because they didn't really fight. That's not how the church operates. That one ministry is ahead of another. Or one person is better than another. No, we all work in this together. And if I'm weak, then you go fight. When I'm, when I'm fighting, you can be weak. And we bear one another's burdens. And in the end, we all get the same thing. We get heaven. We get streets of gold. We get gates of pearl. We get it all in the end. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so the story leads us to that famous scripture. I say famous is famous to me. Where David said he encouraged himself in the Lord. I encouraged myself in the Lord. No wonder David realized in this psalm that I read to you that what happens is when you say, Soul, why are thou cast down? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. What's that mean? He'll put a smile on your face. This is your countenance. He's the health. Some of you don't have a healthy countenance today. I can read your mail. Some of you came in here mad at your husbands. Some of you are mad at your kids. Some of you are just mad. Some of you are mad at me. You need a healthy countenance. You need to ask the Lord to help you remember all he's done for you. And if it's so bad that all you can remember is that I got up breathing this morning and my heart's still beating and I got blood going through my veins and I'm able to walk and I'm able to talk, that's enough right there to quarrel with your soul and say, remember what God has done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So how do you have a quarrel with your soul? <laughs> I was on the airplane and a man in the seat in front of me dressed in a very expensive suit got out in the aisle when the plane landed. They do the little ding. That means you may get your stuff out of the overhead and cram into the aisle and act like you're running to a fire. That's what they do. It irks me to no end when someone from the back comes running up that aisle. They have to be first. They're special. 
They have to get off the plane first. Now, you know, if you've got an appointment, something's going on, you're missing your connection, just say, excuse me, may I go in front of you? I have, I'm missing my connection. Fine, we could deal with that. But it's really better for our long suffering when people just run right past us. <laughs> I've been known to mumble under my breath. We learn in kindergarten how to take turns. <laughs> that doesn't show long suffering. Long suffering is when you just be quiet. And so he gets out his suitcase, and I'm in the aisle like everyone else. I have my purse on my arm, and I get up mostly because I can't stand to sit there one more moment. And I stand up, and the plane is deplaning. People are leaving. So he pulls out his suitcase. It's a large, as large would fit in there from the overhead, and he sets it down behind him. He is a rock collector, a large rock collector. He looks like an attorney, but I'm very sure he's a rock collector because he dropped that suitcase on top of my foot. I mean, just bam, pulled up the handle and went walking on. He didn't even know what happened to me, and I had lost my breath for a moment. I couldn't say, hey! I am doubled over doing what we do. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because I knew it was bad. I limped off the airplane. I limped through the airport. I limped to get a rental car. I drove it to the evangelist quarters. I checked in there. When I took my shoe off, my foot is purple and swelling. I have to minister. I have four weeks in a row of junior youth camps. I can't stop. I'm ministering that night. I don't have time to stop. I'm having to have a little quarrel with my soul. My great physician is the king of kings. And I need to go to him right now. Because in faith believing, he will heal this. So that's what I do. And then I go to the store and buy slippers in all colors. Because you know how matchy-tacky I am. And I get slippers to match every outfit. And for four weeks, I minister on a broken foot. I finally can't stand it any longer. I go to the urgent care. They x-ray it. It is broken on top of the foot. And he says, you have waited too long. And now you're going to have to probably have surgery. You definitely need to see an orthopedic surgeon when you get back. He gives me the x-ray. It shows the break across the top of my foot. Lord, you have to heal this. I don't have time to be in a cast. I have all these things for you to do. And so you, you have to heal this, Lord. You're my physician. I am limping. I'm in horrible pain. I cry myself to sleep at night. But I'm believing. Sometimes the battle is long. The answer's not immediately. I'm quarreling with my soul. My, my quarrel is, well, what a sensible person would do is come off the road and go home and have the surgery and recover. That's what a sensible person would do. But I'm not sensible because I have a work for God to do. So I'm not sensible. I just keep going on and trusting him let me insert here that I'm as sensible as I know how to be about this COVID thing but the quarrel is the devil wanted me to stay home because after all I am older my husband and I are older and we're high risk and you know we shouldn't really be exposed to this and if you go from church to church you, you know you're going to be exposed to a lot of it and you really shouldn't be traveling right now and I have those Job's friends that speak into my life and, you know, those are the people that when they hear, maybe someday, I don't know, it's really all in God's hands. Did you hear that the Vernons 
finally did get COVID. Did you hear that? And oh yes, well they weren't sensible. They just shouldn't have been doing that. They they shouldn't have been traveling around. We have seen over 300 receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost this year. And, and so we must be about our Father's business. Hallelujah. There will be people who are naysayers. They'll tell you you shouldn't go to church. But you have to have a quarrel with your soul. Now let me explain it to you this way. The Bible says to die is gain. So you can't threaten us with death. You can't threaten us with heaven. Number two, the Bible says there is an appointed to man once to die. And after that, the judgment. We got an appointment with death. I could have had a prop today. I could have pulled down a giant calendar with a circle. would have freaked you out. And said, that's your appointment with death. Because it really is just like that. He's got the day circle that you were born and the day circle that you're going to die. And it doesn't matter what it is, it's your appointment. You can't stop it when it's time. He's the giver of breath, of life. And he also takes it away. And so if you hear, yes, and she was put on a ventilator, and did you hear that Sister Vernon passed? I don't want you to say... She should have had some sense. Did you see her? She walked out to the parking lot. She didn't have her mask on. I'm going to wear my mask when I come off this platform. I'm going to wear it. I'm trying to be careful. I'm trying to make you not be fearful. But fear has no place in the child of God. You're battling fear. You need to pray that thing off of you. If you won't come back to church and you're able because of fear, you need to get yourself back to the house of God. It's the trick of the enemy. You need to have a quarrel with your soul. Remember who's healed you before. Yes, people have passed from this. And guess what? We're saying the same thing about them I want you to say about me. Guess what? She's already with Jesus. I'm so jealous she got there first. She's shouting around the throne. That's where she always wanted to be. She lived her whole life for this. That's what we say about a child of God. I didn't forget where I was. So I make it through those four weeks of camp, and I'm at the last service on the last week. My foot is throbbing. It's swollen. It's purple. It's been a nightmare, and I'm delivering the message. And when I get to the end of the message, kids are falling out in the floor, 71 filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that week. And kids are shouting and running the aisles, and they're laid out in the floor talking in tongues. And I just come up to the platform to take a breath and to get my hanky. And the Lord said, if you'll run around this tabernacle, I'll heal your foot. That's the confirmation to my message today. Naaman. Run? I don't run. I don't know how to run. I know you kind of pick one foot up and move your body forward. I mean, I can walk fast, but that's not what he said. He said, run. Run? And I just knew. That was just, you know, I'm all hyped up. Now I'm having a quarrel with my soul. I'm, you're just hyped up, Vicky. All these people laying all over the floor, and they're going to have to carry their kids to their bunks, and this is glorious, and you're just all hyped up. You just thought you heard the Lord say, run, and he'll heal you. And I stand there a few more minutes, and I'm just praying and having a quarrel with my soul. And the Lord said, run, and I'll heal you. You've asked me to heal you. 
So I took off. I found out I, I could run. I took one big lap around that huge tabernacle and people were looking at me. And when I hit that platform, instantly the pain was gone. The swelling went. The foot wasn't purple. Instantly, Jesus healed my foot. That's why we have to have a quarrel with our soul. Obey the voice of the Lord. What's the Lord asking you to do? Hallelujah. Instantly. I went back to my room and... And I mean, I was just rejoicing and thanking the Lord. I, I took that x-ray and I went to the orthopedic doctor when I got home. And he took an x-ray at the top of the foot. And, and then he sent me back for another one sitting up. And then he had somebody else come in. And finally I said, you know what? Let's not take any more pictures or do anything else. Let me just tell you what happened. He said, well, what I want to know is where would you get this picture? This is not your foot. He said, because a foot that's been broken, you will see the hairline forever. And this foot that, that we're taking an x-ray of has never been broken. Because God gives you all your stuff back. God makes it as if it never happened. God takes away what used to be and brings in new. God doesn't just give you half a miracle. When he does it, he does it all. But it may take a little while. And you may have to quarrel with your soul. You may have to remind yourself of what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. David said, I had to remember what he did in the land of the Hittites. What he did back there in that battle. I had to remind myself, the Lord did it there. He can do it here. He did it then. He can do it now. Some of you have forgotten what the Lord has done. You got your financial blessing. You need another one. But you haven't gone back and said, now, soul, remember when the truck was broken and somebody said, I'm going to fix that for you. I just want to do it for you out of the goodness of my heart, sowing a seed into your life because you bless me. I want to bless you. You don't forget those things. When trouble comes again, you go back and say, now, devil, God's done it once. He'll do it again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you play that keyboard and give him some hope? <laughs> this helps too. I'm almost done. I've had to quarrel with my soul a lot. I'm not telling you you should do something I haven't learned to do. I've had to call myself by name. And say, Vicky, remember, if you'll just be faithful, you take care of his business, he'll take care of your business. Don't you think it'd be easier for me to stay home? I have nine grandchildren. Some things that happen to you are hard to face and deal with. And the devil will say, wonder what people think. I'm here to tell somebody it doesn't matter what people think. It only matters what Jesus thinks. You please him, he'll help you find favor with people. And there'll be those, there'll always be those murmurers. Just make sure you're not one of them. 
I read a little more about this scripture that David kept repeating. Why are you disquieted? That word disquieted means there's just no words. Disquieted. I don't know what to say. Has it ever just been so bad you just didn't have words? I, I, just, I just don't know what to say. But digging a little deeper, I found that in Hebrew, the word hama is disquieted. In Hebrew, it's translated to a growl, a moan. I thought about David and his armies and how the Bible says they wept till they couldn't weep anymore. There were no more tears. I imagine they were just moaning. But why a growl? One commentary said this word Hamal relates to like the growl of a bear. When a bear is treed and the enemy is below, maybe she has cubs on the ground or in another tree nearby. And she is treed. The hunter or whomever is the enemy will perceive that she's angry. If that bear comes down from there, that bear's going to attack me. The bear is mad. The sounds the bear is making makes that individual feel like they are in harm's way. When reality, that bear's hugging that tree and the tears are running down the bear's face and the noise, the guttural sounds, the moans, the snorting, it'll tap that tree with its claws. It will claw at the tree. It will click its molars, its teeth, make a clicking sound. All of those unfamiliar sounds to us are simply that bear saying, please leave me alone. I'm broken. I'm scared. I'm hurting. Will you please just go away? No words. That's what disquieted means. There are some of you that have been disquieted. You've lost jobs. Finances are tight. You've lost loved ones. People you know have had COVID. The enemy has used this to bring in fear. To cause the church to be paralyzed. For us to wonder what we should do next. And maybe perhaps some even saying, where is God in all this? What's he doing? But I'm here to tell you, this did not catch him by surprise. And he is using this thing to bring home the backsliders. To get them ready just in time. To get the church up and moving again. For us to win the loss. For us to begin to tell everybody we meet about Jesus. He's coming. We don't have much time. If you've ever had a quarrel with your soul, now is the time. What am I doing? Am I ready? Or has the enemy trapped me in this gloom and depression where I can't even get up? Have a quarrel with your soul. 
you stand to your feet? Some of you need to quarrel because you don't want to come and pray. Some of you are quarreling about receiving a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Some of you need to have a quarrel with your soul and say, you know what? If I'm exposed to COVID up there in the, in the altar, but I get the Holy Ghost, I'm ready for heaven. So the Lord can deliver me from that. And if he doesn't, I'm going to go be with Jesus. Reason it out in your mind. Well, that's pretty bold, Sister Vicki. Because mm-hmm. I'm responsible when I'm behind this desk. I'm accountable. And I don't want anybody to be lost. Because they've refused to have a little quarrel with their soul. You need to come. If you've never spoken with other tongues, today's your day. The Lord's going to fill you. Children. Young people. Men. Women. He's going to fill you. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, today's the day. Don't go home without it. Let this pastor baptize you in Jesus' name. You need a refilling? You need to talk in tongues again today. You need enough Holy Ghost to take you up when Jesus comes. He's coming any moment. I did a ladies' conference, Katy, Texas, a few weeks ago. I preached this message, a version of it. And in the middle of the message, I look over, and here's an elderly lady they told me about in her 80s. They had wheeled her in in a wheelchair. She was over in the side of the altar area with an oxygen tank. She had a mask over her oxygen. She's sitting in her wheelchair, just released from the hospital off the ventilator. They said, don't don't go to church, don't go out, don't go to the store, don't go anywhere, just go home and rest. And when she had a quarrel with her soul, she said, I don't know how much longer I have, but I'm going to the house of the Lord. I'm going to be with the family of God. Because he's the one that's going to decide if I'm going to live 10 more years or if I'm going up in the rapture or if he's going to take me tomorrow. And there she sat with her hands lifted. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what I saw. She had had a quarrel with her soul. If you need the Holy Ghost today, this front row right here, there are chairs that are open. Will you come and just sit on these chairs if you don't feel comfortable sitting there you can stand up here and you can social distance you could step out in your aisle and we'll know you want the Holy Ghost because what will happen is when we start praying and the church starts rejoicing David praised that was the antidote he worshipped our worship today was mediocre don't get mad at me it was mediocre These people gave their all. I mean, he jumps completely off the floor. They give their all. And we're back here. Mediocre. Hasn't the Lord done anything for you? We ought to be praising our hearts out every time we come. So thankful that we get to be together one more time. We ought to be lifting our voices and lifting our hands. Creating a spirit of praise and worship in the house. Because somebody here needs Jesus. Would you come? Would you get out of your seats? Will you do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Sabbath.